Hello everyone, welcome to the New Humanist Podcast. I'm Damien and this is episode 33, the fifth of part five. The topic for today is the problem with sainthood. Since we're engaging the anti-humanism of Roman Catholicism, the concept of sainthood, which is integral to the Catholic faith, is one that is worth considering. The idea of sainthood is, I guess always has been, an important aspect of Catholic spirituality. In many ways, Catholic Christianity has been a function of its affirmation of the concept of sainthood, which is, I guess, in many ways, one of the differentiating characteristics of Roman Catholicism, especially in relationship to Protestantism. Now, I'm not fully aware of how the idea of sainthood applies in non-Catholic, but at the same time, non-Protestant Christian groups, because I'm guessing Anglicans, which is Protestant technically, and in Eastern Orthodox churches as well, have various ideas of sainthood. If I'm not mistaken, the Eastern Orthodox churches probably do affirm the concept of sainthood. But from what I can understand, and I'm of course speaking from as a person who comes from the Catholic heritage, sainthood is very important to the idea of Catholic spirituality. It is in many ways a defining characteristic of the faith with respect to its significance in terms of how often, how positively, how strongly, how consistently it is affirmed and articulated as a concept. Increasingly in recent times, the idea of sainthood isn't being employed as an evangelical tool, okay? The idea of promulgating the importance of saintly life, the idea of being a saint, or the idea of wanting to be saints is being affirmed as a matter of principle, almost, it seems. And that is something that's worth considering, especially in light of the fact that one of the key factors that determines or defines the Catholic Church is the affirmation of Mary. Mary as the mother of God, as some of us know, she is considered a saint, considered the first saint, possibly. And this is something that is also worth considering. Now, it is worth considering in its problematic character. Sainthood as a concept, it seems to me, is problematic for a number of reasons, notably in terms of how it's understood, the significance that is attached to it, and some of the core elements that work into the equation in terms of how saints are understood, how saints are valued or respected, and really the, some of the cosmic, and I guess it's probably not significant for the atheists, but some of the theological implications the idea of sainthood has with respect to greater, one could say eschatological questions about the end of times, about the afterlife, and so on. Before we get too far down that route, which is probably reserved for an episode later, what I'm trying to look at is to take the concept of sainthood at face value. What is it at the end of the day? And what is problematic about it when taken at that level? Okay, so problem with sainthood. What does it mean? Why is it problematic? And one has to understand the problem with sainthood, again, like many things which I've engaged so far in this podcast, has to be viewed in light of the changes that have taken place in the modern world. In many ways, we need to look at these issues as being problematic in light of the nature of modern life, okay, with respect to the importance that is placed on certain things, okay, like individuality, like personal growth, personal freedom, the idea of human betterment, one that is viewed collectively and individually, and also the significance that is placed on aspiration, right, the desire for better things and greater things, which is not always connected to the idea of a collective whole, but it is more self-driven and person-centered. So many things that work into this equation, I think they're all worth considering in light of the problematic character of sainthood as it is articulated within the Catholic faith. Okay, so the problem with sainthood, three problems which I've identified, again, these are broad concepts uh, or broad conceptualization of these issues, and I sort of lay the groundwork, so to speak, and from which we can sort of work our way through them. Yeah. 
put forward some arguments and criticisms, etc., and from which it will give us a platform for further exploration as we move forward. All right, so the three problems with sainthood. Problem number one, sainthood is not sexy. Problem number two, the idea of sainthood is a distraction. Problem number three, the problematic character of sainthood in relation to the idea of heaven or eternity. All right, point number three, let me just preface it quickly before I work my way from one to two, three. The problem with point number three is actually something that came to mind when I was researching this. One person who I looked up, Catholic priest named Father Schmitz, popular on YouTube, it seems, and he had certain things to say about this, some controversial views in my view, and I'm speaking from a theological perspective, and that is something that requires, I would say, a deeper exploration. So it's something that's added at the end, just to sort of expand this debate further, okay? So let's start with point number one. The idea of sainthood is not sexy. Okay, what do I mean by this? Let's take this for what it means. So what comes to mind when you think of a saint, right? What are the first things? What are the what are the list of things that just hit you, right? What do you mean by a saint? First off, a saint, okay, if you take at face value, there are people who lead different lives. There are people who lead lives which are, let's say, uncanny, but not necessarily exciting, not necessarily, how can I say, adventurous, not necessarily enterprising. That's the word. Because, again, if you think of saints in uh, the modern world, okay, let's take some recent examples of saints. We can think of Pope John Paul II, who was canonized, Mother Teresa, who was canonized, a few other people here and there. But these are the two notable characters, let's say, that do come to mind. Now, when you think of these two individuals, what is it about them that you find interesting? What is it about them that you find appealing? What is it about them that you think is appealing to people? Now, understand this, folks, uh, at a deeper level. It's easy, for example, especially with these two individuals, uh, Mother Teresa and Pope John Paul, who were very popular. They had a global presence. They traveled around the world. They have a very public image, you know, scrutinized, one could say, and they had something of a, a social following. One could even say, in some respects, they were celebrities, if that's even the right word, within the Catholic world. Now, that's all good and fine, but when you look at these people for what they are, for who they were, okay, I mean, their life, okay, what they did, what they accomplished, okay, whilst those things are significant, I mean, sir, for example, Pope John Paul, I think this is worth mentioning, his activism when it came to Polish... Uh, I think the Poland was a communist country back in the day, and he was, you know, very active in its, one could say, liberation. I mean, this is a secondary point, but I think there's some confusion as to his role in Poland's liberation from communism. Communism was a very negative force in that country, I mean, as it is in most countries. But uh, he played a key role, one could say, in its, uh, in its ability to extricate itself out of communist uh, overlordship, one could say, right? But that, of course, went hand in hand with many other factors. The pivotal factor was the fall of the Berlin Wall and the events that led up to it. And the fall of communism was a result of many factors. Some people attribute that to Pope John Paul II. I don't think that's entirely accurate, but that's a topic for another time. But the uh, point is, Pope John Paul did a lot of things, let's say, right, in the political and social sphere. So he probably doesn't qualify in that sense. He probably was enterprising. But my point is, as a priest, okay, as a man of the cloth, he doesn't really, uh, he doesn't come across as someone you and I would want to be like, okay, if you get my drift. Now, besides the fact that he is Pope, that's a different topic, right? I mean, to put this in perspective, listener, I mean, if you're a Catholic and if you want to become a priest, you don't become a priest with the aim of becoming a pope, right? That, that is not the way to think. If you think like that, means you're automatically disqualified. It is the one who does not want it, it's the one who gains it, right? It's not, a, it's not like the Game of Thrones, for the record, or people vying for the throne, right, of, of what is it, King's Landing and Winterfell, and, right? That's very interesting. I mean, I like the Game of Thrones. The throne of St. Peter, 
and which the Pope holds, that is a difference. It, it's a different kind of lordship, let's say, right? So Pope John Paul, in that sense, whilst he's very popular, he's not, his life is not something you and I would want to lead. He was, you know, after all, a priest before everything else. He led a normal life. He led an evangelical life, one could say, but it is not enterprising. It is not creative. It is not exciting. It is not, how can I say, it's not very appealing to the average mind, especially if you're a man. Okay, as a man, I don't think there's, there's much to look forward to from that perspective. Now, again, I'm speaking from the concept of sainthood, but what presupposes sainthood in this case is the life that he or she led. A priestly life, a holy life, a life of meditation, a life of you know, prayer, okay? And these elements don't really add up. They don't really motivate you. They don't really inspire you, okay? Not in the way which culture does, not in the way that a materialistic worldview does. Now, again, I'm not trivializing the significance of Pope John Paul II. I'm not trying to put down... Mother Teresa is a bit interesting. Actually, let me just get into her at this moment. Uh, Mother Teresa is, is a controversial figure. Even though she was very popular across the world, her life was it was kind of messed up. And this is something that has come to light in more recent times, certainly since her passing, certainly since... Because uh, a number of books have come out, and I'm reading a book on her life and some articles as well. Of course, some of the criticisms that have been directed towards have been well documented. Christopher Hitchens, for example, wrote a book on the missionary position. In fact, there's another book by her that's based on her writings, okay? And it shows her life as being very miserable, okay? Even in her ministry, right? She was very lonely and depressed and spiritually disconnected, okay? Which is a very serious issue. But added to that, I mean, just look at her life as well. I mean, she was living in the slums of India and you know, helping poor people, sick people. And some people have questioned the efficacy of her methods, which I don't want to get into here. That's probably reserved for another episode. But my point is there's nothing appealing. There's nothing inspiring. There's nothing sexy, right, about what she was doing. And that's pretty obvious, okay? There's no glamour. There's no glitz. There's no flashy cars. There's nothing beauteous about any things that she was doing. Now, with all due respect, I mean, this is a difficult thing to say about a person like her, but the fact is she did not communicate a way of life that was inspiring. I don't want to be like that. I guess it probably applies to women, I guess, more so. But there's nothing beautiful, if I may use that word, about what I saw. I mean, even she as a person, she was this old woman who was thin and frail and, you know, she, of course, led a life of service and sacrifice and that was her calling, one could say. But again, that is not what I want. That is not what most people want, clearly. And in fact, speaking of uh, her order, she started following her work. I mean, she used to attract a lot of people, a lot of young people, a lot of women, should I say, as nuns to a missionary service. That has you know, sort of fizzled out now. I mean, there are fewer and fewer women joining the, not the, I don't know what you call it for women. Is it the nunnery? Is that the right word? But anyway, the number of women, young women, who are entering the ranks of the clergy as nuns, particularly the order that Mother Teresa established, has gone down. It's going down ever since, in India especially, but also in other parts of the world. In fact, the numbers of women entering religious life all across the world, particularly in the United States and in India, where the numbers are available statistically, there have been a collapsing out, actually, right? And the United States has been completely, it's been free fall. And that probably tells you something about the appeal of this way of life, okay? It is not appealing for a lot of people, and with good reason. To put this in perspective, just today I finished watching The Wolf of Wall Street, a film about, what's this guy's name? Played by Leonardo DiCaprio, but it is based on Jordan, I think, or Jordan Belford, right? And if you watch the movie, again, I've not read the book, but if you watch the movie, you sort of get an idea of the life that he led. Okay, the kind of wild, hedonistic, indulgent, but <laughs> exciting life, okay? And a very sexy one. Beautiful houses, flashy cars, a lot of women, 
it's like, I mean, I mean, this might not be right, but I mean, hey, this is the humanist, we're not Christians here, at least not in, in this podcast, okay? The life was filled with the hedonistic excess, okay? And it's interesting is that he seemed to like it, he seemed to enjoy it, okay? And you see at one point in the movie when he's faced with the possibility of losing everything because, you know, there was some underhand activity going on. And that, that's another thing as well. I mean, that's something I'll probably discuss later is that the tendency to view success as a consequence of, of your morality, it's not necessarily the case. A lot of people are successful whilst doing legal things. But anyway, in this guy's case, he was, he, he had done some things and he was on the verge of getting caught and he was desperate. He desperately tries to fight and to protect what he has to protect the life that he has you know obviously by the time you know this happens he's married with a you know beautiful wife second marriage i think a lovely house you know he has everything pretty much and he's desperate he's trying to keep hold of what he has now why is that now people say oh you know money doesn't buy you happiness you know all these things are temporal indulgent they don't mean much but the truth is people do value these things okay they do value the glamour the glitz the aspiration okay they want the great life they want the good life at least okay Heck, you may not be able to own a yacht, okay, and travel across the Mediterranean. But the fact is, those are things that we want, those are things that we aspire. I mean, heck, there was one scene, I'll tell you, I'm not sure if I mentioned this in a previous episode. I mean, speaking of the hedonistic excess, right, where this guy, uh, Belford guy, basically throws a party, his bachelor party or the stack party, whatever you call it, was basically on a plane, a whole jet which they've hired. I don't think it's even a private jet. It's like basically a full plane they've just hired out for, I don't know, 100 people or something. All the employees or most of the employees that work for his company, right? And it was basically just a big rave party on the plane, right? And uh, hookers and, and, and these are not just, you know, prostitutes, right? These are like high-end call girls from what I can understand. The girls, the prices go up in terms of quality, right? Some of them are really good. Some of them are like normal. Some of them are like, you know, you got to clear out your bank account if you can afford them. In fact, some women actually, from what I can understand, some of these call girls who frequent these hot places, right? you know, like the Keynes Film Festival, whereas it's in, in Europe, right? You know, they'll only do it with the big guys, the guys who can, you know, shell out tens of thousands of dollars, apparently, right? I mean, those kinds of call girls, right? And they're like high-end. In this scene, again, if you watch the movie, The Wolf of Wall Street, you probably know what I'm talking about. They're basically on a plane, right? And they're just having sex. And the plane is moving. But I was thinking, man, I mean, the idea is that you're traveling on a plane with a lot of people. And people are getting busy all around you. Okay, that's another thing. Uh, but you're basically banging some hot babe whilst the aircraft is hitting high turbulence, okay? Meaning the plane is just shifting. And it's almost like, you know, if you've been on a plane, I, this happened once, right? Where basically the plane shifts in a way that you think is the pilot in control or is he losing control and you get the feeling that and it's probably in usually your intuition right you're obviously feeling it right it's probably true but in this context right what's amazing or what's unbelievable right or weird or sexy right is these guys are banging these girls right and this plane is moving at that level and it's shifting i mean i mean just imagine the kind of sensations you would be feeling at that moment whilst they're probably high on alcohol and champagne and whatnot i mean my point is listener these are the kinds of experiences you can have right if you have the dough, right? If you have the capacity, right? If you have the the wealth, more pertinently, right? But presupposing all of this is the will to have it. And what I'm getting at here, the question of sainthood, and again, we all know what sainthood means. We all know what it entails. Certainly, if you're from the Catholic world, and I certainly have been through it, right? The idea of sainthood implies what? Service, sacrifice, self-negation, self-denial, okay? Leading a life of humility and sacrifice, chastity, yes. That is probably the most important word. Okay, I mean, if you look at all the saints throughout history, you know, fair conjecture that none of them were active. Okay, most of them were either celibates or they were not married, or both. A lot of the guys were celibate and not married. They were just going around in missionary life and so on. And uh, if you look at the history of saints, there are hardly anyone who's married and with kids and so on. Or even, <laughs> although there have been occasions where some of the saints have been, people who have been hedonistic in the early part of their lives and later on. 
St. Augustine is a good example, who was a serial womanizer in Carthage, and that's a topic for another time. My point is, listener, the idea of sainthood, okay, is not sexy because it's not a life that you and I want to lead. Okay, no one wants to lead a life of sacrifice. No one wants to lead a life characterized by service and humility and not wanting things. Because understand this, whenever these people say service, sacrifice, self-denial, the want to see holiness and purity, which underlies all of these things, they're really saying is that you don't want to have a life that is driven by meaning or purpose in a material sense, in an existential sense, in a, in a way that affirms of a human form, our humanity. And that's more the idea of life than just giving up all the urges. Wanting these things does not make us bad people. Okay, going back to the Belford guy, I mean, again, he's not a good example, but, you know, people make a lot of money, but they also create wealth. They also provide jobs. They also give people the chance to live. Okay, I mean, Heck, I mean, I can give examples, which I don't think I can give those examples here, but you know, there are some people who are genuinely trying to help people despite what they do might seem immoral. Not illegal, but immoral. They're two different things, of course, and a lot of the times the idea of sainthood is a reactionary movement. It's a reactionary position to the things of the world, okay? It is a reaction against the idea of living a normal life. It's a reaction against a life which drives us upward and onward in the Maslowian hierarchy, okay? And that is what makes it unappealing. Hence, which is why now we see a lot of people, you know, running away from religion. They don't like it because these are the kinds of things that I extol within religious circles, right? The idea of sainthood. To be a saint, to, you know, to be holy and pure. What does that even mean, right? It means you're not going to do anything with your life. That's what it means as far as I'm concerned. Again, this is a point I've reiterated before. To be a saint is to reject yourself, to reject what you want, reject your desires, and serve God, okay? And that's a big idea. It's not even fully understood. And we say, oh, you have to give yourself a God, give your life, commit yourself. But that's very ambiguous. No one really knows what that, what that even means, the idea of serving who God even is. And that's a topic for another time. But my point is, listener, the idea of sainthood doesn't appeal to me. Even when you have popular figures like Pope John Paul II and Mother Teresa, these are not the kinds of people I want to be. Although, you know, maybe someone would like to become Pope, that, that's a different topic. But again, you can see the idea here, right? The idea of papacy and whatnot is about sacrifice, about giving things up, and that's how you get there. So, And that is not something anyone wants. We want to work, we want to create things, we want to produce things, we want to put ourselves through hardship, okay? I mean, going back to the Wolf of Wall Street, that's a tough job, man. You know, some of you may have seen, you can find on YouTube where Matthew McConaughey's character basically tells him he needs to loosen up, right? He basically tells him he needs to jerk off a couple of times just to keep his head above the ground because our job is so stressful. That is life, isn't it? I mean, if you work in a profit-oriented industry, you're basically forces you to get better. And none of that is present in the world of sainthood. And that is a problem. Point number two, sainthood is a distraction. All right, so when it comes to the problems that are associated with leading a saintly life, I mean, often the issue is viewed in isolation, right? That is to say, someone who wants to become a saint, who wants to lead a life that is holy and pure and chaste and essentially one that is characteristic of a, well, a saint, right? Someone who is detached from the real world, someone who is committed to leading a holy life, someone who essentially has been able to has come to disassociate him or herself from the realities of this world. Okay, and then, or has been able to dedicate him or herself to the things of life hereafter, and is able to do so in a committed, wholesome fashion. Now, that obviously does not apply to most people, given the fact that the idea of sainthood and the way it's articulated, right? The fact that it has now become a, well, one could say, essentially a common trope within the Catholic world. That is to say, it's been engaged and forwarded as something good. Okay, the fact that the idea of sainthood, or to be saints, or the need to pursue a saintly life has been constantly, I would say increasingly, emphasized within Catholic circles. It raises the question, okay, if the idea of sainthood is so significant, right, if the idea of to be a saint, to live a life that is saintly in its character, okay, how does one integrate that? How does one 
balance that with the idea of leading a normal life, a life where one seeks out education, career, growth, right, pursuit of one's ambition, okay, the urge to lead a fulfilling life, a joyful life. How does one balance these two things? How does one integrate these two realities, which seem at one level somewhat conflictual? And the problem with sainthood, from what I can understand, in relation to the idea of growth, in relation to the idea of aspiration, with respect to progress at an individual level, when it comes to career, when it comes to relationships, when it comes to finance, when it comes to accomplishments, okay? All these factors, all these realities of life, which are integral to a complete person, okay? Especially in the modern world, these things have become more and more significant, okay? How does one balance this with the idea of sainthood? And more pertinently, can they be balanced? And my argument here is pretty much no. And the reason for it is the word distraction. See, look, to be a saint, I mean, one must look at it from a, how can I say, a characterological perspective. That is to say, what are the factors and forces that go into defining a saint? I think we've already spoken about a number of them. Obedience, charity, chastity, right? Sacrifice or a sacrificial mindset. Or the need to disconnect from the real world. The idea of service, which becomes integral to everything a saint does, okay, the idea of giving things up for life hereafter. So if you look at all of those attributes and all those behaviors that would result from them, now one has to think, well, does that work well, okay, within a competitive framework, right, within a system which d determines success on the basis of merit, on the basis of creativity, on the basis of ingenuity, on the basis of one's ability to assert oneself on society, okay, to be personal value, to produce something of value. Okay, huh. The value proposition critically seems to be missing or lacking or notably absent within the, the framework of sainthood, right? That is to say, one wants to become quote-unquote a saint. Essentially, it works against or it works to nullify the urge to grow and to, to lead a more expansive life. Why? Because it doesn't seem to place sufficient value on the value proposition that pertains to life. I mean, think about it, right? All these saints historically have been people who have essentially given things up, right? Who have not done things, okay? Who have basically rejected a life of joy in the material sense. They are not people with great careers. They are not people who amass great wealth. They are not people who have developed great technologies, right? Much of their work, their efforts have been in an evangelical context. Much of that in a context of difficulty, of persecution, of pressure, of hardship, okay? of self-negation, okay, now going back to the examples that I used, the Albanian nun, and I guess even Pope John Paul II, I mean, again, as a priest, as a pope, of course, there's an external persona with him going around the world, etc., on his pope mummy, but really at a deeper level, you know, these people lead very normal lives, or they lead lesser than normal lives, you know, they have no families, they have no careers, they don't make money, they don't, I mean, they might live in luxury, I mean, the pope is an exception, but generally speaking, right, other saints, they lead normal lives, they are mystics, and they adopt a monastic tradition, like these cloistered individuals. Like even these great martyrs who died for the cause, I mean, their life was determined by a journey of going around preaching and living in menial conditions, okay? It's a Spartan way of life. Although Spartan, not in a competitive sense, not in a warrior-like sense, not in a, in a heroic sense, not in a Greek god-like aesthetic, okay? It's the very converse. And I think that is a pertinent issue when it comes to life today. I mean, especially, I guess, I mean, if you take the idea of sainthood and if you take the idea of, let's say, I don't know, masculinity, okay, which I think is now seeing a resurgence. It's something that's been sort of attacked from many sides, usually due to, um, you know, the secular movements on the left. But now there's a resurgence. And in fact, I've identified a subculture now emerging in the West, certainly in North America, I'm not sure how it is in Europe, 
or the need to assert yourself as a man, to grow as a man, to what it means to become a man, right? And these questions are now being put forward, even within religious circles, interestingly enough. And much of that pertains to building yourself as a man. What does it mean? It's about career, it's about work, it's about education, it's about relationships, okay? It's about intimacy. And of course, there are various levels at which you can pursue those things in various ways. But fundamentally, they all pertain to one thing, that is growth, that is development, that is aspiration, okay? That is determination. That is the idea of living a life of purpose and fulfillment. How? By producing something of value, by being a person of value, okay? The problem with sainthood, it seems to me, is that the value proposition, I need to reiterate this, is being removed, it's being negated, okay? It's the idea of sacrifice and obedience and servitude and chastity and whatever. These things are not generative, okay? They're not creative, they're not empowering, they're not hopeful, okay? They're hopeful in a transcendental sense. That is to say they're about life after death. That's about life hereafter. Which is understandable because if you're a saint, you know, you're in heaven, apparently, or you're close to God in heaven, and and that gives you or renders you a special place. Now, what does that mean? Okay, it means that you have to live for life hereafter. You need to be dead in order to attain those goodness or those good things. It has little to offer in the world here and now. And this is a problem. I mean, think about this for a second, right? I mean, look at all the great people we have in the world today. Most of them are not going to be saints, okay? All these heads of tech companies, of energy companies, and, and so on, these guys are not saintly, right? We don't know their personal life, but I mean, it's a fair conjecture. They're not leading a holy life. I mean, take Bill Gates, for example. Okay, Bill Gates recently has been hit in the news with his divorce. Some of you may have heard. I mean, frankly, I never liked Bill Gates, to be honest. I mean, I think he's too political. But you can't deny the contribution the man has made to this world with Microsoft, with the company that has driven innovation in software and hardware. You know, how it has pulled this industry forward and still remains a competitive force to this day. You know, you can't deny Bill Gates' contribution. I mean, that is the kind of contribution we need to do what? To make life better, to make the world better, individually and collectively. The project which I speak of, that we are all part of, whether we know it or not, is critical in this regard. It is an existential question. It is an earthly question. It's a lived question. And it seems to me the idea of sainthood is not only opposed, but it's almost antagonistic to that idea. Right? It is idealistic in a different way. It's all about life hereafter. Hence, the idea of sacrifice and humility and, and chastity and, and self-denial and that's de determining a characteristic, a defining characteristic of these saints. And I don't see anything appealing about it. Not when it comes to these kinds of aspirations. So, I mean, again, the Bill Gates example. Bill Gates, I'm not sure he's a holy person, but he's a great person in that regard. I don't like him, but one has to appreciate his contributions, okay? In the same way with energy companies like ExxonMobil or Chevron. I think Chevron used to run this advert called Human Energy. Now, as you can, you know, question Chevron's motives and, and what they're trying to do, and used to be on the back of The Economist, on the front page, I think, on the, on the second page. Uh, but Chevron's contribution, it comes to energy. I mean, people dismiss the energy companies as bad and immoral and exploitative, but what kind of world will we be living in without energy, right? I mean, they, without energy, the world will come to a standstill. They fuel this world, they drive this world forward, okay, from technologies, you know, in drilling and, and extraction and so on. And, and the thing is, the value proposition, again, is not respected, it's not valued. And this is a real issue within the religious framework more broadly, right? Religious people lead holy lives, spiritual lives, faithful lives, good lives, moral lives. But underlying it all are a set of accompanying characteristics, which basically come down to boring lives, inactive lives, uneventful lives, life of denial and service, right? And not humility per se, but a kind of spiritual slavery, right? The sheer uniformity of the way of life that has been advanced within the framework of sainthood. There's nothing to live for, there's nothing to hope for, there's nothing to aspire after in the here and now. And this is a problem, which is why the idea of sainthood is essentially incompatible within a 
more life-oriented framework which you and I pursue in the modern world. Hence why people secularize, hence why people leave the church, certainly the Catholic Church, owing to these reasons. When you have people going around talking about sainthood as if that's some great thing and we have to sort of live up to that ideal, it works against the very objective, it works against the very intentions, okay? It is a disempowering force. Hence, the problem with sainthood is that it is a distraction. Point number three, this is a deeper one actually, this is something that pertains to the idea of, of eternity. The third point is the problem with sainthood in relation to heaven or eternity. And here I would like to provide a sort of a brief overview because this episode, folks, is almost coming to an end. This is something I'll just preface at this moment so we can engage this in a future episode. But this one pertains to a, to a video I encountered by a guy named Father Schmitz. He's a Catholic priest on YouTube. He has a channel called Ascension Percents. And he put out this video in 2019 titled, What's Stopping You From Becoming a Saint? Right? This is a guy named Father Schmitz on his YouTube channel. So in this video, he says, look, the idea of sainthood, and he basically defends why it's important, and he elaborates on its characteristics, you know, the same old stuff, basically. But then he says, he makes his observation, or rather a key distinction, in, in the sense that the idea of sainthood, he says, look, are more complicated, right? In addition to the idea of saints, like the official saints, like St. John, St. Paul, St. Peter, etc., there are other people as well who fall into the category of saints. Okay? And these individuals, according to him, are those who go to heaven, okay? So people who go to heaven are also saints. Now, listener, I mean, I know some of you may be religious, some of you may be Christian, maybe post-Christian, and the nature of this podcast is that it engages a number of different topics, right? I'm not here to just bash religion, I'm not here to criticize religion, although the critique of religion is an integral part of this podcast, but one has to consider that the theological dimension, the spiritual dimension is also worth considering, okay? Because after all, the new humanist is one that aims to provide a more integrated view. I'm not here to just reject religion and what it has to offer, nor am I here to propound a secular worldview that is completely atheistic, right? We need to find a common ground. With this in mind, the question of eternity, the question of heaven, which I think affects many people. I think a lot of us think about these types of things, even if you are secular, even if you are atheistic, these things do matter at a certain level. And the problem I have with this guy, the Schmitz individual, is that he says, look, the idea of heaven, or in this case, the idea of sainthood, corresponds to going to heaven. So if you're in heaven, you're a saint. Now think about that for a second. Now this guy spent much of his video, and I'll encourage you to watch it, What's Stopping You From Becoming a Saint? This is on YouTube. He spends much of his video describing a saint is, or what kind of life he leads, what kind of principles that he adopts, etc., etc. The very things which I just argued are not possible for us to abide, at least not fully, at least not greatly, at least not always, when it comes to pursuing different things. I mean, maybe becoming a priest would help you lead a saintly life, but practically that's impossible when it comes to other aspirations, the one that I just mentioned. Again, this is something I've spoken of before. To do good things in life, you can't always be good, okay? You, you can't always try to be holy and moral. And that itself is not sufficient when it comes to growth, when it comes to development. Sometimes you may have to do the wrong things. Sometimes you may have to do the bad thing, right, in order to make progress. Again, this is not an encouragement for people to do evil or to do crimes, especially if you're a minor listening to it. If you're below the age of 18, please don't take this the wrong way. My point is in life, you have to make mistakes to grow, right? That is life, right? It's like in Sparta, there was a rite of passage for young men, right? where they were put out into difficult situations. Sometimes they had to steal and, you know, do all kinds of stuff just to endure, just to survive. Okay? And they had to, basically, because if they didn't, they'll end up dead. My point is, listeners, there is a rite of passage all of us have to go through, and that involves doing things, right? I mean, you don't know something is good or bad if you haven't done it, right? I mean, how can you say something is good if you haven't really experienced it? Of course, some things are objectively bad. We don't, we don't need to talk about that here. But a lot of times, you know, you just have to experience these things. This is something I'll engage going further, especially when it comes to relationships and so on, is that we need to experience life to the fullest. We need to do things. We need to go places. I mean, just recently, I've been watching videos of people moving to California, trying to 
build a new life there, trying to pursue their dreams. I mean, whether they succeed or not, what matters is they make the effort. What matters is they are making the effort. They want to be in California. They want to go out. They want to have a nightlife. They want to pursue their artistic endeavors in spite of all the problems California is facing. Some of you may know with bad governance, you know, the rise of like a class of paupers there. Poverty is rising and so on. We know what's happening in California in certain parts. But the point is people still want to make the move. They want to change. They want to grow. They want to learn. They want to lead an exciting life. They want to go on adventure, okay? Frankly, none of that seems to be operative within the framework of sainthood. I mean, the idea of sainthood seems to go against, it seems antagonistic towards it. And here we have a person like Father Schmidt saying, the ones who go to heaven are the saints. So everyone who goes to heaven is a saint, which means the people who lead moral, ethical, holy lives like him, I guess, without relationships, without, without joy, without power, without social status, without recognition, without pleasure, none of that. And they all go to heaven and the rest of us, you know, we all need to, we all will end up in hell. This is very problematic. This is very serious, actually. And it exemplifies one of the deeper problems we have with sainthood, and that is its theological dimension, which is not fully understood, which is not fully integrated, which is not fully studied, as far as I'm concerned. And then we have people promulgating, I think, false theology. This is a different subject for you, listener, but this is something I'll engage going forward. But the point is the problem with sainthood that it is unattainable at one level. And hence, its connection with eternity is misguided, and I would argue it is wrong. It is problematic in that regard. So this is something we will look into going further. To close this episode, one has to understand that the problem with Seder is that it is not sexy, it is not appealing, it is not something you and I want to do, and with good reason. It is, not, it is a distraction. It distracts us from other things, from things which are productive, which are goal-oriented, which are self-empowering, which lift us up, which drive us towards better things and greater things. And fine, thing is essentially sainthood is unattainable, obviously, because to be a saint you need to be dead. But herein lies the problem. People are advancing a false view of sainthood, in my view, even if one chooses to accept the idea of sainthood as significant, right? That is to say people who go to heaven are saints, which means those who are not leading a holy, moral, pure life are going to hell, and this is unacceptable. All right, folks, this is the New Humanist Podcast. This is episode 33, the fifth of part five, and see you guys next time. Thank you.